and we prepare ourselves to meet the Holy One and the Holy One who calls all things into being. Uh, we're grateful that God has called us to be in this place together. And we hope that if you haven't yet found a church home that you might experience the joy and the warmth of this welcoming community and find a place for your, to live out your faith. And now, friends, let the words from the Gospel of Mark call us into worship and open our hearts to a true encounter with the Lord. We believe in you, Creator God. We believe that the world is yours and that you are present in it today. We believe in you, Savior God. We believe that you so love the world that you came to be among us and redeem us for eternity. We believe in you, Holy Comforter and Counselor. We believe that you inspire and guide us into a deeper relationship with all that is holy. We believe, Lord. Help us in our unbelief.
in the blessed assurance of God's love and God's salvation, we dare with confidence to come before God to reveal who we are and who we are not. So friends, in the blessed assurance that God will forgive, let us first confess our sin as we pray together now. Lord, we are full of good intentions, resolutions, aspirations, and plans that are never followed through, never carried out, or never acted upon. We are sorry. Forgive us. You have called us to be fully engaged in life, and we hold out and hold back. We are sorry. Forgive us. We are our brothers and sisters' keepers, but we often act as strangers. We are sorry. Forgive us. Whatever we do, whenever we do it, when we do it apart from you, we are sorry. Forgive us. Friends, this statement is completely reliable and should be universally accepted. Christ Jesus entered the world to rescue sinners. In his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, he proves God's power over all that would destroy and defeat God's plan for our blessing. So let us be assured of this forgiveness that is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen. Peace of Christ be with you. In a few moments, as we share greetings with each other, we will invite all of our younger disciples here up through grade five to be dismissed to their Sunday school class and our students to be dismissed to the youth room. So now, take a moment to be nice to someone else. <laughs> warm greeting. It's good to be together. Friends, in worship, the faithful offer themselves to God and are equipped for God's service and, and for God's gift into the world. 
And we're also people that are called into community, and so we celebrate together the most joyful moments, and we also mourn together those moments that cause us to grieve. There are things happening in the life of the church that I would invite you to pay attention to, and they may have some bearing on your life as well. This next Wednesday on January 18th, we have a brand new group of people who will be gathering to share the grieving journey together. And I invite you at 2 o'clock in the chapel to be a part of that. This afternoon at 2 o'clock, we will celebrate the life of David DeLima at 2 o'clock in our sanctuary, a memorial service. And then on January 28th, which is the two weeks from now on a Saturday, every fourth Sunday, every fourth Sunday, Saturday, yes, thank you. He's going to be prompting me throughout the service, so. I'm not, you know, it doesn't, I should just read what I have printed instead of winging it. So every fourth Sunday, this wonderful, con- oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to do it like I used to do children's time. What day? Saturday. You got it. <laughs> See, I was, just, I was just setting you up. Every fourth Saturday, dang it, we team up with others to serve lunch and the love of Christ to the unsheltered. And we do this at Ventura Cove in the Mission Bay area. And you're all invited to be a part of this ministry. You can look up the details on our, on our website. It's at 12 noon on the 4th Saturday. You got it. You okay? <laughs> and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful experience to be the hands of Christ, and you're all invited to be part of that. And then last, we have an, a very unique and wonderful opportunity in two weeks' time. We have a guest preacher coming from the Ukraine. In two weeks, on Sunday, January 29th, we have a unique opportunity to welcome Dr. Ivan Rusin, who's the president of the Evangelical Seminary in Kiev, Ukraine. He's going to be our guest preacher at both services, and after the second service, there will be a time of questions and answers, we hope. But it'll be a time to get to know him and a time to get to hear a little bit more from the front lines. Please join us in welcoming Dr. Rusin and put that on your schedule. There are many things that we do in the name of, of the Lord, and one of the things that we do very well is mission. And at this time, I'd like to invite Mary Proctor from our mission team. Every month, we like to highlight one of our um, missions, our mission partners, and this morning, I'd like to welcome Raul Palomino, who is the executive director of New Day Urban Ministries. He's going to tell us a bit about his work. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Village Church. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's been a beautiful day. Uh, starting with the first service, now the second service. And to repeat it again, it's, it's a pleasure because I love you guys. Uh, we're the ministry of the San Diego Presbytery for the last 54 years. Uh, I've been now the director for eight years. My hair was black. Now, as you can see, it's two-tone. Anyway, but uh, it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing to walk with you and then to be a part of not only the life of the church, but believe it or not, we are now every fourth Saturday of every month with the branch ministry as well. We help them. We're with them too, helping those who are the least of us during that service. 
Uh, but the, the one thing that I wanted to share is that we come from, of course, the COVID era times where we only uh, serve uh, half of the people we used to serve before COVID. We used to see about a thousand clients every single month. Now we went, it went down to 400. We're coming up uh, now on the numbers. Right now we're seeing about 600 clients every month and the need is greater and greater. Uh, the one thing that we're doing too, we're helping those who are in need of our services, not only through the nonprofits around the town, but also people that call us. I got a small story that I wanted to share. This is the story of a, a, a single woman who lives in Fallbrook. She called me last week and she stated that she called 211. 211 is a number you call in when you are either homeless or you're desperate for services for the county. And uh, she was looking for someone who can help her with a teenager who was put on an airplane from Philadelphia to San Diego and it was homeless. Uh, she called me last week and she says, I don't know what to do, uh, how can we help him? Uh, and I said, where is he now? He says, well, I'm sheltering him in my home in Fallbrook. I said, you bring him over next week. She was there on the 13th of this month, which was last Tuesday. And uh, she was a non-believer, she came by. We helped this young man with everything he needed from an ID, from uh, clothing, uh, hygiene, uh, you name it, shoes, uh, to, uh, you know, just to tell him that uh, we, were, we were gonna be caring for him and that we were his extended family as he was here in San Diego. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because that's the type of ministry that you guys are all part of. We are here to, you know, greet those who are in, in need, but also for those who don't believe. At the end of that, the lady that brought him in asked me for prayer, and we prayed for her. We prayed together, and I noticed how God was working, not only through me, but also through her as she brought him all the way from Fallbrook. So I want to share that with you. That's the ministry we're in. And right now, I can tell you about the different things we're doing during the year, but one thing that is so present right now, it's the weather we're going through. We've been going through one storm, through another storm, through another storm. Think about it, we help 600, 600 people every month. So that's five pieces of clothing per person per month. The same number of hygiene items, the same number of socks, underwear, shoes. Right now, our stock is being depleted to almost nothing. And one thing that breaks my heart is when someone asks me for something and we tell them that we don't have it. So I really urge you and I ask you to help us during this time of need. We thank you for all your time, and may God bless you. Thank you. Let's just say a word of prayer. God, what a privilege it is to be a partner with Raul and his team. We thank you, God, that you have given us this work to do. It's sacred and beautiful work. We pray for Raul and his family as they serve you throughout all of these years. And may we be blessed with the sureness of giving. Thank you, God, for your goodwill for us and for this important ministry. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much. One of the things that strikes me about what Raul had to say was, the terrible feeling of having to say we're out to somebody. And it also strikes me that God never says that to us because God is the God of abundance. God is the God who, who knows and understands that as human beings, if we simply share, there'll be enough. So friends, give with a grateful and cheerful heart 
and give with the understanding that God is the God of abundance and our cups run over.
seated. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, every time we feel your spirit, we are moved to praise and prayer. And even when we do not feel your spirit, still in faith we believe you are there. So hear these thoughts in our hearts and speak your thoughts into ours as we pause in silence for a while. Good Father, in your word, in the history of your people, in the life that you lived as the Son, we have learned that you hear us, that you answer as we pray. We have learned that sometimes you say yes, sometimes you say no, sometimes you say wait. Still, though, we bring to you all that we are, all that we hope to be, all that we want for the world, the world that we inhabit, the world that is beyond the scope of our own lives. We live in the world that badly needs, first of all, to know you and to turn to you. We live in a world that still is filled with the effect of our sin and the sin of others. And yet we live in a world that is filled with hope, especially hope because there are those who follow your prompting, who answer your call to serve you for the cause of freedom, for the cause of forgiveness, 
for the cause of justice. We thank you today for those who inspire us, for those who call us to greater heights as we celebrate Martin's birthday. We thank you for those as well who encourage and strengthen us in the deep and difficult times of life as we grieve those who are now no longer with us, as we grieve the result of our own mistakes and shortcomings, as we grieve a world that does not live up to the standards that you have made for it, still we look with hope and we look with joy to those places and those people who are feeding the hungry and housing the homeless and encouraging the weak and the faint-hearted and working for your reconciliation in the world. We ask that you would strengthen us, that you would encourage us, that you would give us all of the good gifts that are there in your heart for the asking, that we might be part of how your kingdom does indeed come into the world. We offer you these few words knowing that there are so many more, but knowing as well that it is only you in your spoken word, in your lived word of the Son, and in your word as it lives through us, that things will be done in this world. We pray that now then in the name of him who came to teach us using these words, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. When Jesus, Peter, James, and John came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down and he foams and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, you faithless generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, help us. Have compassion on us. Jesus said to him, if you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. The word of the Lord. In the first days of my ministry, about a million years ago, when I was a young woman fresh out of school, my very first call was to a church in a very small farming community where everyone knew everyone, everyone knew each other's names, and if they didn't, it's because you weren't related. And everyone also knew everyone's business. It was a very small community. And one of the things that I needed to do was to make a contact with the local Salvation Army because our church was going to be involved in the toy drive. So we were going to be working together. So I sat in my brand new office with my degrees hot off the press, lining the up front so everybody could see. And I, I, I have to tell you, I was so nervous about making this phone call. I, I had this image of who I was and who I was supposed to be. And, and I felt the weight of that calling on me. I also felt very alone. In those days, there were just a few of us women in pastoral leadership. And there was not another woman in for 410 miles within the circumference of where I was. So I felt very alone. And there was a lot of pressure to prove ourselves that sometimes was very overwhelming. The church had made what they felt was a very bold and progressive move by calling me. 
there wasn't much support or encouragement from a lot of the men or women in that even in that congregation, even among the staff. In fact, it was often hostile, but it was the first call, and I was excited about it. So this was the first step, the first official duty that I had. And it, it was me walking out on the professional limb. And it was important, it was a monumental, this was a moment for the history books. <laughs> so I picked up the phone, drum roll please. And I dialed the number. And a man answered with the usual Salvation Army greeting, hello. This is Captain Edwards, how may I help you? And in a moment of sheer panic, I blurted out, yes, this is Captain Cook. <laughs> Which wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was I gasped and burst out laughing. And I hung up the phone. I was so mortified. How, how do I make my way back from this this moment, everybody knew everybody. If I ever introduced myself as Reverend Cook, they go, are you? Were you making fun of the Salvation Army? What, what was going on? I was so mortified. And you know, I'll be very honest with you, I never made that call, ever. I had a colleague who graciously stepped in, made the call using their name, and I, I just never forgot that. Captain Cook? <laughs> Honest to Pete, where did that come from? Being human is really hard. Of course, my story is really pure cotton candy compared to some of the lessons on being human that were going to come. I bet you have a few of those lessons as well. And when we listen to the news <clears throat> of the world and we watch our neighbors and our friends struggle and suffer, we find ourselves shaking our heads and wondering, why is being human so hard? Why can't we share? Why can't we figure out peace? Why can't we take care of the world? Why can't we take care of each other? It's so hard. But I'm not sure that being human could be any harder for any person in any story than the father in this text today. Because being human involves suffering, and it means suffering with and suffering for those who suffer. And compassion and empathy can consume and it can paralyze unless it's kissed with hope. And then, in this story, you throw in being a parent. And that old adage lifts itself up that being a mom or a dad is like walking, it's like your heart walking around on the outside of you. It becomes raw and devastatingly real. I love this guy. I love his spirit. Just like I love the Canaanite woman who begged Jesus to heal her daughter, and when he said, why would I give the, the message to the dogs, meaning the Gentiles. And she responded, even dogs get to eat the crumbs from the master's table. Anything, we'll do anything. 
These are real people that I believe, I feel like I know them because I've seen them reflected in myself. The determination, the shattered heart, the floundering, the scrabbling for a miracle. Being human is really hard. Both the father and the Canaanite woman are desperate and they're willing to do anything to go to any lengths to try and get help for their suffering child, but they do not know what to do. They have no remedies. They are at the end of the rope. For years, this man and his family had suffered with their child's condition. And I'm sure the laundry list of remedies and uh, housewives' tales and opinions and theories and diagnoses and speculation had ranged from everything, from use these two sticks to maybe something's wrong with you and that's why something's wrong with your child. They heard everything, I'm sure. They may well have bankrupted their meager finances and bankrupted their physical ability to manage. So when an itinerant rabbi with a reputation for healing comes with the A-team into town, hope sends that man running. He runs to them. With his son, he feels like this could be it. This could be the moment. And imagine, if you can, just imagine for a moment the profound disappointment when not only is the A-team unable to deliver healing, but the desperate situation of this man's life and his son's life is overshadowed by the squabbling, arguing of the disciples with the armchair quarterbacks, known as the scribes at that moment, what were they arguing about? Healing? Who gets to heal? Who needs to heal? And yet this unhealed child sits nearby. So Jesus appears and in not very kind words, but very real words, lets the crowd know what he thinks about their arguing. How long do I have to be with you? What are you doing? And he calls for the boy to be brought to him and he heals the boy on the spot. Heals him. Imagine. Later, when they're alone, the disciples ask, why couldn't we heal him? Because they had been doing healing, you see, in the name of Jesus. And Jesus answers that in this case, it needed prayer. This has always puzzled me. What? Prayer? Don't they always pray? So whose prayer succeeded? Whose prayer was it that brought about this casting out of the debilitating spirit in this story? Mark doesn't describe Jesus' praying. In fact, Mark describes Jesus screaming at this Spirit, with the same words he used to calm the wind when the disciples woke him in the middle of this life-threatening storm on the Sea of Galilee. Same words. To cast out that demon, to heal this child. 
The prayer in this story comes on the lips of the father, of the son, of the stricken boy who prays for faith in words that Mark's readers at every generation have used in their own confusing moments of doubt and belief. I believe. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. I believe that something's possible, but if it's not enough, Lord, if it's not enough, if there's this thing that has to go from here to here for this, my child to get healed, can you help me? And we don't have a God that sits back and says, I want to see what you can do. We have a God that steps in, steps into the moment, steps into this child's life. We have a God that steps in for that final peace. I believe, help my unbelief. Whatever faith this man has for himself or for his son, whatever he needs to make this healing happen, I don't think for a second it came out of him or out of the depths of his own being. This came from a God who steps into it. This comes from a God who does not demand that we shoulder the responsibility of of this earth and everything that we experience by ourselves. This God who answers prayers like this and gives faith and trust to frightened souls and to doubting hearts. And if you're one of those today, if you're a frightened soul and you have a doubting heart, this is a message for you. You see, this story doesn't teach that if we have enough faith, we can cure epilepsy or demon possession or cancer or addiction. This story doesn't claim that those with enough faith will never have a debilitating illness in the first place. And if they have one, then if they have enough faith, they can just will it away. This story doesn't teach us that. Rather, it teaches that we are safe and saved in the company of those who throw themselves on God's compassion. Later in Mark's gospel, this is amazing. Later in Mark's gospel, a troubling spirit will throw Jesus to the ground, stricken with sorrow, even to death, the scriptures tell us. And Jesus will pray much as this father prayed, He doesn't pray, help me in my unbelief, but he prays, take this cup from me. Jesus will ask to have some other fate than the one that seems nearly certain now that the work of the traitor has been done. But he'll take whatever fate, he'll drink whatever cup the Father wills. An evening and a morning later, when all the thrashing about in Jerusalem ends, Jesus lies dead. It's hard to be human. Which makes the life and the decisions and the glory of Jesus even more spectacular, even more remarkable, even more important, all the more hopeful for us Because in the very life of Jesus, we are taught what is humanly possible. Isn't that wonderful? That's the good news. 
What is humanly possible? God raises Jesus from the dead into his glory. And Jesus raises this boy when the others declared him dead. Nothing is impossible with God. Hope springs eternal. This is the story about the nature of faith. And it is a compelling gospel message that reminds us that the weight of our salvation, the weight of our healing, the weight of our resurrection from the death of sin has never, has never been on our shoulders to bear hopelessly. Jesus has carried that for us. So even when we struggle to believe, my friends, faltering and fumbling faith can be enough. Because in that moment when we say we believe, and if it's not enough, help us in our unbelief, God is there. And God carries us the rest of the way. So, this is Captain Cook signing off. (laughs) I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Let's pray together. God, you are so beautiful and so good and so loving and so merciful and you step in and you create a bridge from belief to unbelief to belief. You hold us close and dear. You love us infinitely. We thank you. Amen. Stand with me and let us affirm our faith together. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God?
My friends, no matter what you read in the scriptures, you will always come to this conclusion that God is full of grace and mercy and love and has a will that we might be in relationship, in deep abiding relationship with this wonderful God. So as the body of Christ, let's leave this place with that grace and that mercy and that love and let's share it. And may the love of God and the peace of Christ and the intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. All of God's people said together, Amen. Amen.